So how you guys doing? That's better. See, you're just used to certain specific... Uh, oop, uh-oh, that's the sound. That's the sound of the stream. Sorry, I'm supposed to turn it on. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, welcome to The Remnant. My name's Todd. At the beginning, is going as usual here. Very smooth. So uh, I'm very excited to see you guys. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, I'd love to meet you after if I'm not hiding somewhere and you can find me. Um, it's kind of like, where's Waldo? Except it's where's Todd. Anyway, we're in the middle of a series today. Uh, and if you're joining us, that's okay, because for the first time, this series is one of those series where you can kind of hop in right in the middle and not be missing anything. And we're walking with Jesus, and what that is, is we're, each year, uh, we try to go through at least one of the Gospels, and we're walking with Jesus along his ministry. And we're in the Gospel of John, and I don't know what week this is, four or five, um, but they're connected because we're walking with Jesus, but you can get something out of it because you don't have to be here to get something out of this week. You didn't have to be here last week. So that is what we're up to. And I really believe what I said, guys. If you're a guest, whether you're a regular, did you know, right, if God is God, especially if you're in the room and you believe in God, if you're not yet and you're kind of just like, eh, we'll talk later. Just pay attention now. But if you believe in God, you have to believe that he's sovereign. What does that mean? He's in control, right? And I get it. It's a weird thing. How do we have free will and yet he's in control? I don't know. It's a mystery. It's a mystery of the gospel. But what I do know is that you're here for a purpose today. I don't know what that is. I don't know your lives. I don't know what's going on, but I do know that God has something for you. I believe that, and that means you should be excited to figure that out. It's kind of like a treasure map. Like, what is it? What is God doing for you? What's he trying to say to you? Um, So I hope that you take that seriously and focus. Uh, If you're new, this will be your first sarcasm of the day. It will not be your last. Um, But... Listen, you're going to go home at some point, and you're going, to, you're going to binge on Netflix or Hulu or whatever your thing is, and you'll focus on a show. Don't say you don't. You do, right? Yeah, you know you do. And listen, so you can focus today for half an hour, hour, four hours, wherever I go. I'm just kidding, right? Stay focused, and I promise you, um, no matter if my words are good or bad, that God's word's perfect, and he will do something. I believe that. So, that good? You with me? Yeah. Awesome. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do we have any sports fans? Raise your hand. Sports fans? No? Okay. All right, cool. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but I bet this will be even more interesting. If you're not a sports fan, okay? All right, if you're a sports fan, do not answer this question out loud. You have to be quiet, and then, I'll, then you get to answer it. So those of you that aren't, I'm proving a point. You're not a sports fan. Okay, raise your hand if you're not. You don't follow football. Let's say NFL right now. Perfect. This is good. This will work really good. Don't say, the rest of you that do, don't say anything. Who is... The greatest quarterback of all time. Un, no, sports fans can't say anything. Who's the greatest quarterback of all time? Non-sports fans. Tom Brady. Who, said, who mumbled it over here? No, that's not true. Anyway, because why am I here? <laughs> what? Peyton Manning. Okay, yeah, there you go. Who's the why? Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> best quarterback of all time. Who's the best quarterback of all time? Non-sports fans. Roger. Nice. Old school Cowboys quarterback. You guys are... Tricky. Okay, how about this? Name a quarterback that you've heard of that's playing now. Huh? You, okay, sports fans. These guys do not want to talk. Sports fans. Who's the greatest quarterback of all time? Jill Montana. No, Joe Montana, right? Sounded like someone said Jill Montana. Tom Brady, right? Listen, I know you want to boo, right? Tom Brady, if those of you aren't listening, has to be considered the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm not a Patriots fan. We have any Patriots fans in here? The other sports guys? Anyone hate the Patriots? Great. Any any Bucks fans in here? 
No? Great. Anyone hate the Buccaneers? Anyone hate any team that Tom Brady's on? Mandy, you're allowed to say. You know you would. Uh, yeah, so Tom Brady, uh, why is he the greatest quarterback of all time? Josh, you said it right away. Why is he the greatest quarterback of all time? He's won seven Super Bowls. Now, to put this in perspective, he is tied with the franchise record, meaning a team's most of all time. Like, hey, who's the one, what team has won the most Super Bowls of all time? Tom Brady. Okay, he's tied for that. So what I'm trying to say is, and, he, and the proof is, he's won seven Super Bowls. I'm not a Patriots fan. In fact, I hated the Patriots. But somewhere along the line, I began to appreciate that we're living in an era to watch greatness happen. Okay, so what makes it even, you non-sports fans, you'll appreciate this. What makes it even more impressive? Who won the Super Bowl last year? Tampa. Who's the quarterback of Tampa? How many years had he played for Tampa before they won the Super Bowl? Yeah, right? Tom Brady switches teams and wins the Super Bowl. Okay? At, at some point, you got to say, this guy's the greatest quarterback of all time. What else makes it incredible? Okay, he's, how old is he? He's 45 years old. He's 45 years old and won the Super Bowl last year. He's won seven times. He's going to have every individual record for a quarterback that you can name, right? So based on whether you're a sports fan or not, you may not like him. Okay, you may not like him. But when you look at just facts, he's got what to back it up? He's got the proof. He has the proof to back up his claim of being the GOAT. What a ridiculous name, right? The GOAT. That's what I said. This is the big thing now. Do you guys know what that means? The greatest of all time. What a weird phrase. Yeah, he's the GOAT. Now, if I tell you guys right now, hey, I just want you guys to know that I, uh, I'm an Olympic sprinter. Why are you giggling? See, there's already people giggling, right? Who believes me? Nobody. Great. Who thinks that that isn't true? What would it take for you to believe that I'm an Olympic caliber sprinter? Proof. Yeah, how do I prove that to you? Run against you? Because I'll beat you fools. Who do I have to actually run against? Right? What? Hey, don't look at this belly, all right? I'm pretty quick. All right? Who? Yeah, I need to race someone, you know, because beating you guys and being all slow and stuff, that don't prove anything. All right? I have to beat someone that's fast. That's that level. Let's look at America. What's up? Stay with me. I know, Josh. You're like, how's this coming together? I'll bring it together for you. When we talk in a courtroom, how is America supposed to be set up? You're innocent until what? Proven guilty. That's not the case anymore. You're guilty until proven innocent. That's really what it is, but we'll say that. The, the, the bottom line is that we have a prove-it mentality, right? Who here naturally doubts people, things? You're like, ah, I don't know if that's, yeah. I'm up here, I get to, some of you are like, I am, but I don't want anyone to know. Yeah. Most of us in America, especially, I don't know if it's like this in the world, we have this idea of, like, prove it. That we're very leery of people. We're very leery that people are fooling us, tricking us, right? That's even more true within the church. You meet a pastor, you see a guy on TV, he's got smiley teeth, that's not a phrase, he's got white, nice teeth, a good smile, and he's saying nice things, and you're immediately going, okay, what's going on here, Right? Maybe a church is growing, and there's good reason for that. There's always this idea of, we do it to the church too, of like, man, I don't know about this guy. 
I remember someone told me one time, I don't even know why I tell you guys this. I shouldn't tell you stuff like this because it puts it in your head. But someone I know met, I met one time, I spent a lot of time with. And this guy hung out with me. I mean, I let this guy come into my house when I wasn't around. Like, he was like, yeah, man, come in. I'm trying to befriend him. I let him play on my flag football team. It was a big deal, okay? He never really played football. Um, but, you know, I try to bond with this guy and ends up he's got this kind of issue. And I'm like, dude, what is your problem with me? And he actually said this. He goes, he said, well, you could, you could manipulate. And I said, okay, so you think I manipulate people? And he said, no, actually, I don't think you do. I think you could, though. He said that. Let that sink in. And he was serious. He wasn't joking. He goes, I think you could, so naturally, everything you do, I'm looking for the proof that you're, that you're doing that. Right? That's weird. But we do that all the time. You get hurt once, you're in the next relationship, you're leery, right? Someone breaks your trust, maybe you grew up in a family situation that was, that was ugly or hard, and you naturally are mistrusting. We want people to prove it. Prove that you are not manipulative, Todd. Prove that, Tom Brady, you are good, and yet every year, right, at first, you can kind of understand why people said, hey, Tom, why'd you leave? You know, everybody's like, oh, Belichick, they don't like him, blah, blah, blah. And the, the idea came that he wanted to prove that he was the best, not because his coach, but because he was. And the only way he could do that is to go somewhere else, right? Because the idea, if you don't like sports, is this coach, Belichick, this Darth Vader-looking guy, can take anybody that can throw a football and make them win the Super Bowl. That's been proven not to be true, right? We have a proven mentality. Make me believe. Evidence. Give me the evidence. It's like we think we're all scientists, right? I don't know. Have you applied the scientific method yet? We want, to, we want the world, we want a person to make us believe they have the burden of evidence, the burden of proof. We, you have to prove it. And here's the thing. Some of you in this room today, whether you're a Christian or not, and you're going to say, well, how can you be Christian and do this, Todd? Because you're human. And you do that to God. Say, God, yeah, I'm supposed to say you're good, and I'm supposed to say you're holy, and I'm supposed to say you're active in my life, but you haven't proven it yet. Prove to me. I have this all the time. You know, I was talking to several people. So if you're one of them, I promise there's been several. And they'll say to me, hey, I've been, I've been asking God to help me with this. I've been asking God to share this with me. And, I'm, and somehow the reason it comes up is because I'm talking to them about this issue. Maybe it's me. And I said, I know, I've been praying about it, and I'm like, and here I am talking to you, and I never even knew you prayed about that. Yeah, but I'm waiting for God to show me. I'm like, a random person came up and brought this up to you, and that's not enough proof for you, right? In fact, there's a verse where Jesus, we get in the, uh, the parable with Lazarus. There, there's an idea of a man who dies, and he goes to Abraham's bosom, right? He's in, and he's waiting, um, and then a rich man dies, and he sees this servant, and it's a long story, but the bottom line is at the end of it, the guy who's essentially in hell says, hey, Lazarus, let me go back at least and tell my family so that they believe so they don't end up in hell. And he says, listen, if they didn't listen to Moses and the prophets, they wouldn't believe even if a man rose from the dead. So let's take Christ. Over 500 people historically saw the risen Christ. But that's not enough proof for you, for us sometimes. But yet you'll believe George Washington crossed, the, is it the Delaware? Right in the middle of the night with fog. Why? Because a history book drew a picture of it. I was reading about Benjamin Franklin's kite experiment. 
I get it, Josh. You're wondering how this all comes together. The same thing, right? Benjamin Franklin's like, I think lightning is electricity. It's the same thing. I'm going to prove it, right? I'm going to put a kite in the air, and I'm going to put a key on it. It's a long story. And everybody here, what? He got struck by lightning, right? No, he didn't. He would have died. You can't get struck by lightning. He would have died. What happened was he picked up ambient electricity in the air of a storm, and he was able to bottle that. If he'd been hit, but here's the thing. You believed that. Most people do. Why? Because someone told you that, some history teacher or some classroom or someone drew a picture. Here's the crazy thing, too. Everyone's burden of proof, what, you, what, what might prove to me something to be true may not prove it to you. So stay with me. So here's the funny thing. We, we're not really saying prove it. We're saying you prove it to me the way I want it. How many times are we like, man, if I saw what Peter did, what Peter saw in the apostles, I know I would sell out for this. No, you wouldn't. Right? That's why Jesus said, you, he told them during the day, he said, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who are going to believe without seeing. He's talking about you guys, us. Oh, they had it so much easier. Then why did they not believe? The human mind has an incredible ability to justify has an incredible ability to say that's just coincidence. How many, you ready for this? How many miracles have happened in your life that you've chalked up to coincidence? You know, if you're married, take a second. Now, have you ever thought about of all the people in all the world that you somehow ran into this person? Right? Have you ever thought about one, one five minutes too early or too late in some of your cases? Um, if so-and-so hadn't done this, you would have never crossed paths, never been married. But hey, it's just coincidence, right? It's interesting. Jesus, if you've been with us, right, he's already done some miracles. Actually, Scripture tells us six times he has done a miraculous thing, I'm told we come today. Today he does a seventh. He does six things, and yet people still doubt him. And here's the crazy thing. Those that were there and they, they can't doubt he did it, then begin to say, well, I'm not going to doubt he did it, but well, you know what? He's a demon. He's a bad guy. So even when we're proven... Someone proves it to us, we're going, oh, they only did it through bad methods, right? Someone gets successful, they're a cheater, right? All you Colts fans that say Tom Brady beat the Colts by 40 points because the, the ball was slightly deflated, you either didn't play football or you're delusional, right? I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, deflate gate, I'm sorry to ruin your opinions, Colts fans, all right? I told you, sarcasm. That's not why you got blown out by 20-some points, okay? You could have put a rock out there and you still got beat, Okay? Burn, walk away. Anyway, here's the thing. We have that proven mentality. It, it happened then and it happens now. So we're going to pick up the story. Well, before I go to that. So that's why when times come in our lives so that God shows up, right? Raise your hand if you're a believer, Okay. And, oh, nice, you're already there. I'm a believer, awesome. All right, I haven't even finished yet. It was a dramatic pause. <clears throat> if you're a believer and you know for a fact, if you're honest, you say, I've, I've witnessed God move in my life. But you know what's funny? Here's the funny thing. And stay with me, you ready? But the next time a trial comes or a hard moment, why do you doubt? Because you do. Because, yeah, that happened, but your mind goes, there's no way he can come through again. There's no way he will. There's no proof. Even though what? Has he done it five times, six times? I do that. I look back at my life and I tell you guys stories sometimes and I'm like, yeah, that you, I have that voice in me. It's like, it's still a coincidence. 
Isn't that crazy? I believe in this weird God called coincidence, but not the God of the Bible. Right? So we'll pick up the story here. And now, in the Gospel of John, things pick up very fast, sometimes compared to some of the other Gospels, meaning, hey, we're teach, 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 and then, boom, we're rolling right into the crucifixion. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, we're getting to the point where, for the first time after this section, we'll hear the religious leaders say, we got to kill this guy, because we can no longer deny this sign. All right? If you have your Bibles... Turn with me to John 11, and while you're doing that, I'll say this. Earlier I said to you, John chapter 11, starting at verse 1, the Gospel of John. You might be in a tough time today, and, I, and I, it's crazy. A lot of you raised your hands and said, I've seen God move in my life, and you're in a trial right now, and I bet you still doubt whether he's going to today because your situation seems too big, too hopeless, too dark. You've become hard. Guys, I'm gonna, here's a newsflash. I have to fight for real. My tendency is to say, I'm on my own. And I tell myself I don't do that to God, but I do. The way I don't, the way I believe sometimes is like, it's cool if he doesn't come through or he does or he doesn't, whatever. I got this. And some of you had a hard life and that's what you've learned to do, but that's not faith actually. That's like a genie, right? Maybe he comes through, it's like I picked a four-leaf clover called Christ. Maybe it'll happen and he'll move, maybe he won't. I'm going to tell you this today, I'm going to, and we're going to read a story that's incredible, is that I'm telling you, if you believe in God, and some of you didn't, if you didn't, I'm going to prove it to you today. You like that? Here's the thing. God is the living God. Todd, what do you mean? I mean, he's still alive today. That Jesus Christ is alive. That the Jesus that did this is still active. That he has made promises to us. Did you know that? I had a conversation today with someone. It's like, listen, we can hold him to his promises he doesn't need our excuses. There's usually two things that make us doubt. We doubt whether Jesus can, but more often we doubt if he will. Which means we doubt how he views us. Is his character true? Does he still care about me? Or am I just an ant in, a, in an ant farm? Yeah, this is my ant farm. I care about all of them, but he doesn't see you, right? He does. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to read a lot today. I know you, I don't know if you hate or like it, but that's what we're doing. So stay with me, okay? Verse 1. Now a man was sick, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. I guess I should have set you up. Man, I'm off today a little. So last week, we talked about a certain moment in a situation, right? We talked about Jesus giving the parable of what? No one remembers. The shepherd, and the sheep, and the gate, and the door. Remember all that stuff? And he's trying to say, listen, there's people that are going to act like in this religion they care about you, but they're just hired men. When the wolves come, they won't be there. I care about you because I love you. You are mine, and I know you. And at the end of it, and we kind of skipped this part, but it's important to bring up. At the end of it, <clears throat> right, he says, the Father and I are one. And after that, it says, the people picked up stones to stone him. Why? Right? Because we're going to find out. There's a moment. He said, what good deeds are you stoning me for? We said, we're not stoning you for that. We're stoning you because you say you're God. Now we're getting there. So they kind of walk off and get away. They, they don't get a hold of him. It says they tried to grab him, but they couldn't. So he eluded them, and then we pick up here. Now, Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. 
and it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. Interestingly, that moment's going to come after this in the next chapter. But what that tells us is the John, the writer of this gospel, knew that the believers had heard about this. So he was referencing in this ahead of time before we got there in the story. So, Mary, so the sisters sent a message to him, capital H, meaning who? Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Now this is interesting. All right, you guys already, you have benefit of hindsight, right? Foresight, I guess, whatever. You know, looking back, listen to this though. So he says, hey, he hears about Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. He says he loved them, right? And he heard that Lazarus was sick, probably because someone said, hey, Lord, you need to get here. Something's going on. And it says, hey, I'm going to glorify his disciples around. He's like, this happened. He is sick so that God can be glorified and that you can believe in me. You can believe in the Son of God. And the apostles are like, nice, he's going to do some healing again. Man, I can't wait. And they probably started packing, and then Jesus just sat back and kicked his feet up maybe. I'm like, he's sick. Did you hear? Like, he's sick, Lord. That would be confusing, right? Say you come to Jesus, God, I need you to move. My so-and-so has cancer. I need you to get over here right now. And he goes, I will come, and God will be glorified through this. She's, she, he's about to die. They, they, they see maybe hours, days. He goes, God will be glorified. He does a crossword puzzle. Put yourself there. You're not going to be like, fine, Lord, I shall wait for thee. No, you're going to be confused. Let's go on. Verse 8. So then two days pass, and the disciples at this point are like, whatever, man. I don't Rabbi, the disciples told him, so now he's going to Judea. Just now the Jews tried to stone you, and you're going there again, remember? He was there, and they tried to stone him. So now you're the disciples again. He waits two days, like, hey, let's go to Judea. Like, we just got away 48 hours ago. They tried to kill us. Now you want to go back. Aren't there 12 hours in a day, Jesus answered. If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. If anyone walks... During the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. He said this, and then he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, that means he's going to get well. He's probably sleeping peacefully, right? Now, before we go on, I want to explain this, because that's a strange moment, right? By the way, what is the temperature in here, like 105? Is it on? <laughs> if I start pouring sweat, guys, you've you got to ignore it, Okay. I say that because of those that complain when it's cold in here, and then you're grossed out when I sweat. you got to pick one. Either be grossed out, all right, or be cold. <clears throat> Aren't there 12 hours in a day? So they said, hey, why are we going? This Again, I love to put myself there as though I don't know what I know. And you're like, they're going to kill us. And he goes, Aren't there 12 hours in a day? Lord, we're not talking about time here. We are talking about murder. Why are you trying to? Yes, Lord, I guess. Yeah, there's, there's, there's 12 hours. There's more than that, but go ahead. Right? If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. If anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. Now, you have to know the context of other things Jesus has said. He is the light. Right? He is the light. Yeah. 
If you walk with the light, you're not going to stumble. But if you walk in the darkness, you're going to stumble. Remember, they're afraid. Let me tell you, he's saying, I'm here. It's going to be okay. Right? I, you, he's always trying to remind them, get them to think, hey, didn't I tell you? I'm the light. I know this looks dark, but I'm here right now. There will be a time when I'm not physically here. That's scary. I'm here now. I've got this. Moving on. Our la- friend, oh, yep, actually, our friend Lazarus is falling asleep, and I'm on my way to wake him up. And then, again, we always kind of make fun of the disciples, but you would think the same thing, Josh. You would go, cool, man. He must be doing better. He's sleeping peacefully. We're going to go celebrate, give him some flowers and balloons. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, I love this. He's like, ah, they don't get it. Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there. This is big. I'm going to read that again because I already tell you, listen, I should dance or something. Stay with me. I know. A lot of reading. Let's go. Hey, how are you doing today? Woo! How are you doing today? Luke, you good, man? You good? Yeah, nice. See, he don't like when I say his name. Hey, you're, I, just, I look for the friendly face. Yeah, let's get this, right? Stay with me. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe. Wow. So you tell me he's dead. And he speaks for them immediately because they're going, why did we wait? And he goes, I'm glad that I wasn't there because you need to believe. Okay, but let's go to him. Then Thomas, called twin, this guy will pop up again in his doubting, <laughs> said to this would probably be me, by the way, said to his fellow disciples, let's go, with, go so that we may die with him. I'd be like, you heard him, guys. We're going to die. We might as well, or I would have been packing myself. Let's just go and die, right? <laughs> doubting Thomas. And I want you to, to be here again. Remember, this hasn't happened Jesus has slowly done things from the beginning, and he keeps upping the ante here. He keeps saying, oh, that's not enough. Okay, so turn some water to wine. Not enough. All right. How about I feed a bunch of people with a couple of those? Oh, not enough. Okay, I'll walk on water. Not enough. I'll heal a blind guy. Not enough. I'll heal a leper. Not enough. I'll heal a lame person. Not enough. Let me up it every time. And so he says here, Jesus was speaking about death. He said, Lazarus is dead. He catches, He knows what they're saying. Maybe they even said it, and we don't have it recorded. Why did we wait? And he said, I'm glad I wasn't there, because you need to believe. The implication is what? If he'd have shown up and healed, they wouldn't have mattered. They wouldn't have believed. It would have just been another thing. This is a what? A good man, a prophet. Verse 17. When Lazarus arrived, he found that Lazarus, I'm sorry, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Ooh. They didn't embalm him, probably, right? They just wrap his bodies in some spices, right? You know that, like a mummy. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. So a lot of people had come to comfort them. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Hmm. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. How interesting. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. A couple things I want to note before we go on here. A lot of times we hear about Mary. Remember, 
Mary was mentioned first. She's the one that wipes the hair, the expense. And we're like, oh, how her faith, right? And you don't want to be a Martha that's sitting around working. But which one got up and ran to Jesus? We all have our strengths and weaknesses. And sometimes we, we don't realize that. You know, we, we think we compare ourselves to others. It's, I love that section. I, I've passed that for years. You know, you thought, oh, Mary's the faithful one. She's the one that gets it. And it's like, yeah, Martha's the one that sprinted to him. Martha's the one that said, I know you can still do something. I don't necessarily believe she knew was saying he can bring the dead back to life. I think she was saying, I know you could have done it if you wanted. I still believe. I still believe in you even though, uh-oh, lights are dead. I still believe even though it didn't happen the way I wanted. I, I, you're still good, right? You're still good, God. We make excuses, don't we? We do that. Hey, God, even though you aren't going to come through in this situation, I, I, it's okay. You're still good. Then he says, your brother rise again, and here's the next excuse. Oh, I know, Lord. In the, in the last days of the resurrection, he'll come back. We have that hope. Go to verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. This is so, this is so exciting. This I am is the same I am, when it's translated the same way when the bush told Moses. He was declaring something here. I am. Look it up. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die, ever. Do you believe this? Now stop. Well, Lord, Lazarus, he believed in you too, and he died. You would think that. I would. My mind would go, I don't understand. Is this symbolic? Like, Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die ever. Do you believe this? Verse 27. Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. This is a big declaration. This is the exact thing that the Pharisees are looking for. Will you say you're the Messiah? Right? Will you... Because he's a threat, right? And up to this point, we've had a bunch of, what, false voices? Remember we talked last week about the idea that these people claim they were Messiah. It happened all the time, and they tried to overthrow the Roman government. And so they're kind of, this might be my chance. Pharisees hear about this, the religious leader. This is my chance. You, you're, you're, you're about to do something crazy. And she says it. I believe that. And he makes this claim. And I think, man, this is so symbolic of us. If I tell you that you will never die, you're like, yeah, I know. I know. It won't really help me on my deathbed, but I know. And that's, God is understanding that, so I'm not trying to shame us, right? He understands our humanness, but, but have you recognized that you're, if you put your faith in Christ, listen, I'm going to say it to you, you're never going to die. Well, you're saying, people, Todd, Christians die all the time. That's because you're, you're focused on this life. You think this is eternity. This this much, right? This is this much, maybe even less than that of eternity. Eternity's wall to wall, let's say, and this, this is this life. The only people that will truly die are those who say they can find life themselves outside of Christ. I am the resurrection and the life. I am. Who are you? I am. Everything. Go to verse 28. Having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, probably, hey, come in the other room. The teacher's here, and he's calling for you. As soon as she heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. I wonder if Mary was upset. Is that why she didn't go? It's not in there, but it may, it's human, right? Oh, he's showing up now? Could be. I'd probably be me. I'm not going to disrespect him, but I'm going to be like, yeah, whatever. 
And then when I find out he's calling for me, I'm going to go, all right, now I'll go because the master called. As soon as she heard this, <laughs> go back. She, I'm tricky. You can't guess what I'm going to do. As soon as she heard this, she got up quickly. They have a hard job. And went to him. Now too slow. See, we got to figure that special. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. So outside of town. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. So she must have been like, oh boy, the master's calling. I might be in trouble even. Did she think that? Who knows? Jumped up and went. Out, So they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. She's going to go cry. We've been here trying to help her. Let's go with her, right? She needs comfort. Good friends. Go ahead. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, and this is where I think maybe she was upset, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, exclamation point. Sobbing. If you had just been here. Right? And in a sense, there's faith in that because she knows that if he had been here, but she's not getting it, is she? If you would have been here, if you would have just came, if you would have showed up when we first told you, if you would have answered the way we asked you to when I first said it, God, if you would have just come, Jesus, right when we called you, he wouldn't have died. How many times have you done that? I have. Verse 33. So she's on her knees crying. And when Jesus saw her crying, and the Jews who had come with her crying, consoling her. He was angry in his spirit and deeply moved. The Greek here is tough for us to translate. It's a very, very strong anger. Right? He was furious. You're like, what, he's mad at them? No. Because he says this, I love this, because I believe he steals his face in this moment. Right? Why? He looks around, and so you got to put yourself there. He sees her sobbing. He looks around at all the people crying, and then looks at this tomb. Or no, he doesn't, he doesn't know. He goes, where have you put him? He doesn't reach down to say it's okay. He says, where have you put him? He is angry, right, at the brokenness, at the pain of what? Of the disease? No, much bigger than that. Of what sin has wrought in this world. That death was not supposed to be the way it was. That this is not supposed to be the way it was. He was angry, and you'll find out later it was what he was angry at. He was furious at death, at sin, and what had become of creation. Of his people being hurt, right? Someone hurt my children. Where have you put him, he asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. Jesus wept. So if he was angry, right, I mean... You ever been so mad you cry? Me too. He wept. It's not the only time he weeps. On the way to Jerusalem, as he's standing, it says he saw Jerusalem and wept for Jerusalem. Wept for the people that were going to crucify him. Man. That's the heart of God. Even if you're in this room right now and you say, man, I've done some bad things. I don't believe I'm this, I'm that. Do you know he loves you? He loves you enough that he weeps, that he would go to the ends of the earth to get you to believe that he has. Let's move on to verse 36. So the Jews said to him, see how he loved him as he wept. Oh, he's crying for Lazarus. But we already know he, what he was furious in his spirit about. It's bigger than that, isn't it? He wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Oh, boy. 
Have you done that? I have. I thought you said you'd be there. I thought you said you'd come through. Moving on, 38. Then Jesus, angry at himself again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, he's already decaying. It's been four days. Oof. It's not cold there. It's been four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Oof. If you believed, you would see the glory of God. Remember that. Remember that line. Let's move on to 41. So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes. Man, I can see this. I don't know about you. Raised his eyes, right? Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this, so they may believe you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. (laughs) The dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. I told you he's a mummy. Jesus said to him, said to them, loose him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did, you ready? Believed in him. Jesus prays. Probably he didn't do it loud. How do I know? Because it says he shouted the next line. And the disciples, that's what's cool about we get this first-hand account of what happened, the, right, the apostle John, and he hears him. He hears the prayer. He said, Lord, thank you for hearing me. I know you always hear me. I know you always hear me. But because of this crowd, I said this. I'm, about, I'm doing this so that they may believe you sent me. Imagine, have you ever been accused? Like, have you ever told someone the truth and been accused of being a liar? Like, you're not telling me the truth? Every single one of you has. Some of you are like, no, man, never done that. Yeah, you have. Doesn't matter if you're 5 or 40, it's happened to you, or 60 or 80. And you get mad. I do, right? And, so, and you get to that point, you ever get to the point, it's like, hey, whatever, you can believe me or not, I don't care. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, I will do whatever I need to do, Lord. Imagine having access to the Father and having to prove it to us peons. I don't believe you're from God. God's on the phone with you. He's like, I, I, you know, should I call down the angels? Like, what do I, okay, no. I know you did this, so, but no, he says, I want them to see and believe. How, why? Remember John 3, 16, 17, 18? For God sent his, world, his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be safe through him. For he does not want anyone to be condemned, but that all would come to life. Jesus wants everyone saved. God wants to save everyone. It may not fit your dynamics, your theology, but it's in here. We go all the way back now, and and this is what I want us to focus on today. This is a crazy story. Lazarus, come out. I like that. He didn't say, like, come back from the dead. And he just says, come out. And that's a dramatic moment. You're like, I know me, Adam. And like, (laughs) you imagine the disciples, because I guarantee you, this stuff hasn't happened. He's like, now this is, I mean, how are we going to, like, how is our PR machine going to handle this? Because this is embarrassing. Like, like, this is a dead person. Yeah, I know. And Thomas is like, I told you, now we're going to die, too. And all of a sudden, he walks out. Right? Holding your nose. Right? 
It's a mummy. I, scr- I would run. I know me. And then I love that line, loose him and let him go. Right? Because death has no claim on him. This had never happened, ever. We go back, and at the very beginning, I want to come back to that, the very, very beginning, all of this, this entire story, this entire thing, yes, he blessed Lazarus and Martha and Mary. He loved them, right? And this is the crazy thing. We'll get to this in a minute because there's a lot of layers here. But he didn't just do it for them because he tells his disciples, right? He said, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you would believe. He's dead because they think he's asleep. That's the only way that he could help him. He must just be asleep. And Jesus told him plenty, Lazarus has died. Verse 15, I'm glad for you, but I'm glad I wasn't there because he knew what they're thinking. Why didn't we leave earlier? So that you may believe. That, that, that theme is here throughout, isn't it? The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? That those who believe will see the glory of God. Remember he said, I know that you hear me. But because of the crowd standing here, I did this so that you may believe. They may believe you sent me. Those who believe will see the glory of God. Therefore, and how does it end? Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did believed in him. The glory of God leads to belief, which leads to the glory of God. The miracle, right? Now, here's the thing that's hard. We're like, oh, great story. I want you to think of the pain that Martha and Mary and those people went through for what? Was it maybe he died on that first day? 48 hours? So many of you in this room would sit here and go, amen, but you would yell at Jesus. How dare you hurt her? How dare you not come through? This is a joke. How cruel of, it, of you. I know you would, because I do, right? How cruel you are. You have the power to make it happen, and you didn't. Didn't what? Do it the way you wanted. But if he had done it that way, how many would have missed believing? There are things in life that happen that don't seem fair. I wrestle with this. I, you know, we hear it all the time. When I talk to someone, it's so funny, you know, when you're not a believer, if you're truly seeking, don't you, if, you were, if you're a person like me that wasn't a believer your whole life, I remember, like, you think you're so smart. Like, I, I can't, dude, I'm, I have the question you cannot answer. What, what about children, babies dying of cancer, huh? <laughs> no one's ever thought of this. What about the problem of pain? Right? You just arrogantly think of all throughout 2,000 years of Christian faith that you're the first person to ask the question of why bad things happen to good people. I'm still that way. God, I don't understand. To me sometimes, right? There are times that I follow God, and it's like the first time you get slapped around, you're kind of like, okay, I can do that. Lord, I sacrifice for you. A year, two years, three years later, getting slapped around when you're trying to love people, and you start to go, God, what in the world? You told me to do this. There are things in this life that happen that don't seem fair. There are things in your life that isn't fair. And I'm not going to sit here and try to give you that spiel of like, it's okay, it's not okay. It sucks. And it hurts. And you've went through things that don't make sense. 
And if you let yourself think about it, it's beautiful. Your heart's so good, you love God. You don't want to let yourself think about it because you'll start to doubt, won't you? No, you just move on. You just ignore that pain. It sometimes seems like God intentionally doesn't come through. Sometimes it's, where are you? I called out to you. You said you answer. I know my prayers from a good place, right? I know my heart. Lord, where are you? And you might be in that 48 hours right now. Sometimes it has to be this way to give a testimony of God's love, power, mercy, and grace. But here's the thing. That's great, right? I have to hurt so others can feel better and believe. No. Sometimes these moments have to happen so that you believe. So that you can't call it a coincidence. So you can't chalk it up to an accident. So that Your father loves you so much that he says, I know this hurts, but I've got to show you you can trust me. You know, you ever think about that? We always see it, and we use it as an example. The little kid, he sits on the podium and dive into daddy, and we're like, oh, that's so loving. It's kind of cruel. Because, again, I remember this step. You look down, and the kid's, I'm going to die, right? And they hesitate, like, just trust. Like, that's cruel. Why do we do those types of things? Why? Hey, baby, get in the water. I'm going to teach you how to swim. That's terrifying. I was terrified of the water. Just dive in. I don't, I'm going to drown. It's only when you test my love for you will you see that I'll always catch you, that I'll never let you go under the water. It's a testimony for the world. Sometimes it has to be this way so that they see the glory of God, that they may believe that they may see the glory of God. A testimony for the world, but also so that you may believe. I look at my life sometimes, and like, there's things that I've done I brought on myself, okay? And those are easy ones, right? You can kind of at least go, it's not fair, but, and then there's some that aren't, and it's crazy to look back and be in that moment. I say this all the time. I am not one of those pastors that's gonna be like, I would go through all that pain again. Just to be here. That's a lie. If if I had a choice and God said, you could be here but not hurt, I'm going through that door. The real question is, Todd, if you had to go through that to get here, would you do it again? And I sometimes break down and cry. I might do it now because I know that I would. Because if the pain led to this, it was worth it. One, for my life, but also because what I thought was good, God had so much better plan for me. He really did. And I couldn't see it in the moment. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you in your situation what that looks like. I don't know. But I'm telling you from my own experience that I've seen the glory of God in the moments of pain. Sometimes it has to happen. Sometimes... You know, it's Abraham, and God's done it this way throughout his life. He's had to let things get to a certain point to prove that he's not just one of these other gods, that he's not coincidence, he's not science, he's not uh, accident. Abram, you will have a child, and you will be the father of many. You know, I'm 90-some years old. <laughs> right? Years pass. In fact, he didn't believe, did he? He started to take things in his own hands. Maybe God, we do that too, maybe God meant I should impregnate someone else, and that is the blessing. (laughs) No, God kept his promise. Sometimes it has to be Moses and the Egyptians, Moses, I mean, and freed slaves being trapped between 
a horde of Egyptians and a raging sea. That sounds cruel, doesn't it? You, we sit here and go, yeah, good story. That is cruel. You're free. Now you're going to die because that's what they would think. Sometimes it has to be David and Goliath. There has to be a Goliath for there to be a David. Sometimes it has to be the disciples in a boat during a storm where the waves get so big that they're going to capsize before God can show who he is, that he is master of the wind and the waves. Sometimes a man has to die so that we understand just how big our God is. And sometimes your situation you're in right now has to get dark so you really appreciate the light. And that sounds cruel, but it's not. You have to appreciate the light. Who's the light? Yeah, you get it. He said it. Jesus. Now, I don't want to give you pastor talk, Christianese. That's, I'm, I really want you to let this sink in. I don't know. I don't know how he's going to move in your situation. I'm not one of those guys. Here's what I do know. And I, I've been like clean. This year, this has been kind of my thing. And it started from a place of like frustration, and now it's, like a, it's not. I will hold him to his promise. Why is that wrong? Don't test the Lord thy God. That's a different thing. I will hold him to his promise. He has said that I will work out all things for the good of those who believe according to what? His purposes. But it's still good, right? We tend to, here's, here's our out for him. We're like, well, I know that his good is never good for me. And so I will trust that in the misery, when I die, I will get to go to heaven. That's true. But he has good now. How do I know that? Because I've seen people riddled with cancer live a joyful life. There's a man named John that you'll never meet who has forever affected my life by his testimony while he was dying from cancer. And I talk about him to this day, and his story inspires people today when he died eight years ago. And by the way, he is not complaining now. He's in paradise. And so weirdly, right, God gave him good and then let us see good too? Would John, my friend, 80 years old, would if he, if, if he could, I know he would, right? And he sees us in his glorified body, I could talk to him. I guarantee you I know him. He would say if he did it then, before he's glorified, he'll do it now, right? I would do it again. I would hurt again so that you can believe so you can be with me here. Believing leads to seeing the glory of God. Sometimes small and sometimes big moments. But one thing we do know, not believing never leads to seeing the glory of God. You hear that? Not believing never leads to seeing the glory of God. Well, how do I know? Maybe I won't see a miracle. That's fair. But I can tell you one thing. You'll guarantee you won't if you don't believe. That we don't want to put our faith in him. We're not going to see the miracle. You don't get to eat the bread, but doubt that he does it. He goes down. I, the, the verse, I know that you always hear me. He says it again. But because the crowd's standing here, I said this so they may believe you sent me. What? He did it for them. He did it for them in the way he did it. He did this to give the most amount of people the opportunity to witness the sign, witness the miracle, and then believe in him. God sometimes uses these situations, because remember, this is nothing to eternity, so that more people get the opportunity to believe. And I'm not even a good person. 
But I know that if I hadn't went through some of the pain in my life, which is minuscule to some people, okay? But I can tell you this, and I'm a flawed, evil man compared to God. And I promise you this, if someone said, Todd, you don't have to go through that, and you can still be saved yourself, but if you don't go through that, then the people that you've gotten to preach the gospel to won't hear. I would do it again. I would, and I'm not a good person. (laughs) Because I want you to believe and see the glory of God like I have. How do we know that was the goal? Well, we see it. Therefore, many of the Jews, verse 45, who came to Mary and saw what he did, believed in him. This seemingly impossible situation in your life, maybe, or the time it comes again, guys, the heartbreak that seems so final, in this moment with Lazarus, this, this moment he was in the tomb, it was over. Mary speaks for all of us when she said, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. We kinda, she half believed, didn't she? She, she got it. The seemingly impossible situation, this heartbreak that seemed so final, this pile of ashes became a beautiful miracle. Became that goosebump, Holy Spirit giving thing. I still get it when I talk about it. Not just for Lazarus, right? That would have been a heck of a testimony for Lazarus, right? But also for Mary and Martha, right? Now they believe. Martha already did. I bet you Mary says that is the Son of God. But not just for Martha and Mary, but for all the Jewish people that were watching. Yes, we know that. But not just for the Jewish people who were watching, but also for the people that the apostles would someday minister to because they told this story, right? But not just for the people that the apostles would minister to, but also to all the people throughout time in the past 2,000 years who have read this story. But not just for the people of the 2,000 years that have read this story, but also for all those people in this room today. That one man, one family's pain still reaps a harvest today. 2,000 years later. That the glory of God shown to one small little family to this day has led people to see the glory of God. That's how it works. Do you think Mary and Martha had any clue that was going to happen? No. You don't know this, but I'm going to tell you this. Your testimony during the, whatever it is, this, this, this broken situation, in the midst of your tears that you're crying, the way that you walk this out is, is going to be a testimony. I've said this before. Either way, you will either point people toward the living God or you will point them away. Which one will you be? Will you believe so that you see the glory of God but also so that others do through you? And you want to know something crazy? Sometimes they get to see it through you before you see it in your situation. Because the way you handle it is the glory of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? The way that you walk it out, your faithfulness in those moments of tragedy and hurt and brokenness is the glory of God to those outside of it. Because I don't know about you, but when I saw John, who was dying of cancer, continue to serve and be a janitor, which, by the way, I found out later, he had been a pastor of a massive church for 30 years and never told me. And I'm a peon that was so arrogant. I was so arrogant. And this man cleans urinals and toilets. And I remember watching him come in and make me drink Maalox. I know it's ridiculous because he's trying. I have stomach issues, right? And he made me take medicine. And I remember being so annoyed. He's like, drink this, Todd. I'm like, eh, I will. He goes, no, I just, right now, I'd like to watch you drink it. 
right, that he ministered to me, that he called me, he did, that he tried to set me up to get married because he, so, he was so obsessed with this idea that I was going to get married. He goes, hey, I've told this story. He's like, so I met a girl in Walgreens. I'm like, that's cool, John. He goes, this is a funny story, actually, in the midst of this. But as he's dying of cancer, so she works in a pharmacy, really, be- really good, and he say beautifully, really good girl, loves the Lord. I told her about you. That's neat. You should go there. All right, yeah, maybe John. He goes, she's not a looker. <laughs> but she's a sweet. He said that, right? And it was, but it did come off as insulting because in his mind, he's like, listen, beauty fades, all right, which is true. This man ministered to me, ministered to kids while dying of cancer. And to this day, I think about him. I'm telling him about you now. As long as I live, his testimony continues. Isn't that incredible? Sometimes other people are going to see the glory of God in your situation before you get to. But believing is walking through that and knowing he hasn't forgotten you. I'm not going to tell you that if you're struggling with finances, a bag of $10,000 is going to fall on your lap tomorrow. I'm not going to tell you that, right? That's heresy. Anyway, I'm not. I'm not going to tell you that. But what I will tell you is this, and I have to believe him, and I, guess what? You should hold him to it. He said, I will work it out for your good. You will see the glory of God if you believe in me. Maybe John, and this is crazy to think about, maybe John that I told you about, what if his moment of seeing the glory of God is when he looked down and saw a new body, right? Or a new, well, for lack of a better word, not his new body, but saw, hey, I'm not in pain anymore. There's Jesus. You think he saw the glory of God then? Absolutely he did. Do you think all that mattered anymore? No. Sometimes it's in those dark moments that we realize how much we need the light. It has to get dark. That sounds cruel, but it isn't. But why? Now I'm going to tell you why. You ready? I told you, Josh. I told you I'd tie it back. It's happening. Josh is like my symbol of the guy's like, mm, anyway. Right? Because we say, prove it, God. He can't prove it to us in the good times because you're going to call it up to the coincidence called God. You're going to chalk it up to the, or the God called coincidence. So he says, okay, I'll start small. That don't work? Let me show you how big I am. Sometimes God chooses to let the would-be father get old. Sometimes he allows the freed slaves to be trapped between an army and a sea. And sometimes he lets the giant mock the shepherd boy. And sometimes the storm gets big and shakes the boat and the situation seems impossible. And sometimes the marriage seems too broken to ever be fixed. And sometimes the finances seem irreparable. And sometimes the past seems undefeatable. Why? All so that he can show you he's God, so that you will believe. So the question is, do you believe? He's still asking that question today. Do you believe? She's going to come play some music. And I want you to take this time, and I don't know. I don't know where you're at. I can tell you this much, if you're not in a tomb moment, right, for lack of a better word, you're not in the tears, praise God for those moments on the mountaintop, but you've had valleys. And I hate to say this, but most likely you'll have valleys again. So it, it applies either way, but some of you in this room, and I, don't you hate this because you're like, man, this is talking about me. I don't know your situation, but God does. 
Does it feel like you're standing, your life feel like you're standing outside the tomb of your dreams, of the things you thought were going to happen? Maybe you literally are physically in a, you're dealing with a physical disease, situation, ailment. You got a diagnosis that doesn't have a good prognosis. Is your life filled with tears right now? Of course you hide them right now, right? They only come out at night and in the bathroom and in the car. Because you got a good look, you got to look like a good Christian that has faith, so you can't cry. Mary and Martha cried. Jesus cried. Does it feel like God has abandoned you? Or you're saying, maybe you don't think he's abandoned you, but you're going, why are you taking so long? I asked two days ago, where are you? Why are you taking so long to move into this situation? You promised me that you'd work these things out. The crazy thing is Mary and Martha thought that the only thing Jesus could do, right, was heal the sick. Their standards were low. He had something way, way more incredible in store. Do you think if Mary and Martha were here today, even Lazarus, and they said, you don't have to go through that, but then people don't get to hear this story. Do you think they would choose to go through it still? They would. I bet you they would. Does your situation seem impossible? That there's no way There's nothing left but a tomb filled with your dreams and your hopes and the goodness of what you thought life was going to be. All that's left is tears and tombs. Is that for real? Let that sink in. Is that that where you're at? I've been there. I've been there. I'm probably going to cry. It's over. Man. What I want for my life is over. And then God showed me, I got something for your life you didn't even know you wanted. And it's way better than anything you could have asked for. Man, that's real. He replaced my tears of brokenness with tears of joy because I'm telling you, I've cried a lot doing it now. I hate that. I'm tough. Man, we cry because we got to let go of stuff we think we want. To see something incredible so that you believe. Because I believe in a way I didn't before. And I thought I knew, man. I thought I knew. Because he's done it before, right? But every time those situations comes, I don't know if you're like me, but I go, nah, not this time. It's too big. And then he says, man, you got to quit judging what I can do based on what people tell you I can do. Because see, sometimes Christians tell you, right, that some things are possible or impossible. This is the way it works. This is the way it isn't. That's why it's so important to know what God says, not even God's people. Take this time and ask him to come. Ask him to show you. Ask him to comfort you. You think it's selfish to ask Say, God, give me something. Tell me you're coming. You did, though, today, right? You just heard this message. But pray it. Ask it. 
Or maybe you haven't even asked him into the situation because man, people don't raise from the dead. Right? Symbolically, marriages don't get fixed like this. Past don't get forgiven like this. These things don't happen in the real world. If you're in the room and I told you earlier, if you don't believe in God, I'd talk to you and I'll, I'll make it fairly brief. If you've heard of the gospel you don't believe in God and you're here, you probably have heard a gospel that essentially works like this. God will save you, but then you got to keep this standard up and be a really, really good, perfect person. And you know you're not. And all the people that do it just pretend. So why try? Why try? Or maybe you actually believe, man, they must be just better humans than me. That's what you think. I get it. That is not the gospel. That wouldn't be being set free. I kind of like that image, right, of Lazarus. Hey, loose him and let him free. The gospel really is about freedom. Always has been. So here it is in a nutshell. God created you. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. And he created all this stuff, and he made it beautiful and perfect. And he had one rule. I'm God, you're not. I'll tell you what right and wrong is. And we do what we do today. Nah, your way's not really good. My way's better. Well, look around. You turn the news on lately? That has not gone well for us. And because of that, we're separated from God. And separated from God is kind of like a tree separated from water and sunlight. It dies. And so God doesn't condemn us to death. He tells us the reality. You wanted life outside of me, then you have to understand you now die. Sin is a nature. It means you're born with it. You're not a good person, not compared to Jesus. And that's the standard. God says, if you want to be in relationship with me again, you have to be perfect. That means you've got to be what? There has to be justice for what you've done, and you also have to be perfect moving forward. So even if I clean your slate, you've got to be perfect moving forward. Any of you here going to be able to be perfect moving forward? No, you can't. And so what's happened over 2,000 years is we've seen what happens when the creation walks away from the creator. When the tree isn't connected to sun and water. We die and we create bad things. So sin is inside of you. Well, Todd, I'm a good person. Hey, you probably are. You're probably better than me. Unfortunately, that doesn't save you. The Bible says that that's, that nature is inside of us and it shows itself through all the bad things we do. So it's like a disease, right? I'm sick and the symptoms are coughing and snot running down and all those things. Well, your symptoms are hate and lust and envy and jealousy and murder and rape and all the things in this world that it shows itself in. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. doesn't matter if you're a good person. You're better than me. Our standard of good is warped. And so, the Bible says also, if all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that you are storing up wrath for yourself. It's a cup, and it's like this, and it's going to get poured on you. You will pay for what you've done. That's not fair. I'm a good person 364 days of the year, right? I've given this analogy before. Well, let me come in your house, steal your money, punch your grandma, and burn your house down. I've only done that one time. You should forgive me. The judge goes, hey, Todd's a pretty good guy most of the time. You can go free. That wouldn't be just. So we're doomed. But then God did something incredible. When we couldn't save ourselves, when we couldn't be good enough to get back to him, he came down to us. And that's who Jesus Christ is. He's God made flesh. 
Jesus of Nazareth existed. He walked this earth. He taught us, showed us the glory of God. Why? So that we would believe. Why does that matter? Because then he did something incredible. He died on the cross, a horrible physical death. But more than that, he was the perfect lamb, the spotless lamb. He died. His blood was shed for us. He took our punishment in our place to wipe away the past and then did something incredible. The divine transaction happened. He took that. You'd be in trouble though because you can't be perfect moving forward. And then he gave you permanently the benefits of his perfect life. You can never lose it. Talk about that next week. Jesus said, I will never, ever let go of one of those that the Father gave him. And the Bible says, okay, so that's okay, Todd, how do I do that? And it's very simple. The Bible says in Romans, if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. (gasps) Todd said, that's it. He didn't say anything about change. Well, confessing that he's Lord, admitting that you're not, admitting that you have fallen short of his glory, that you need what he has, is exactly that. So guys, I don't know where you're at in in this moment, but take this next five minutes. I know it's late. I get it. I know you're hungry. Football's on, right? You already know who the best quarterback is. Why are you watching? Take this time and make it count. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you are truly choosing to.